Donnie and shouldn't have had a sleepover <laughs> and shouldn't have recharged our magic. And like, you know, maybe we wouldn't have to worry about the big shark guy coming from the sky. But yeah, more of the story. Listen to Donnie. Moral of the story. Listen to Donnie. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, not all the sometimes. time. Sometimes. But sometimes. Cowabunga, doochie dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Booyaka Tales Radio. Guys, you know what that means. Uh, it's not just Rob here on these Ninja Turtle episodes. It's my main man, my partner in Ninja Turtle IDW crime, Mr. Zach Norris. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, hey, thanks for being here, man. Look at us. Two months in a row. Look at us. <laughs> we can't be stopped. Yeah, hey, man, I'm, t- I'm telling you, you know, we are actually recording this. Uh, looks like it'll be January 18th as we're recording this, and 147 hasn't come out yet. So we are actually in the current run of the IDW series here uh, as we cover 146. But, man, um, first of all, before we get into the comic book, first of all, I got to ask, you know, how's everything been going with you lately? And also, did you hear the big news about the Turtles? Uh, well, to answer your first question, Rob, I am good. Uh, like I say, almost every time we talk, I am perpetually tired, uh, living, (laughs) living my life within a cycle of tired and less tired. Um, but no, we're, we're good, man. We're chugging along. I, uh, actually restarted a gym membership. So like feeling good about being back in the gym, uh, much like yourself, or at least like yourself a while ago, uh, Ronan and I both got skateboards recently. So we're doing a little bit of skateboarding. And uh, life is wow. life is good, man. We're we're good. Wife is good. Son is good. I'm good. And then uh, to answer your second question, I have heard the big news. <laughs> and Rob, although it is bittersweet, because all things must come to an end. And and you and I could talk all day about how we'll miss Sophie Campbell's run and how we'll oh, miss, yeah. you know, the the idea of like a big crazy ongoing Turtles book. I am incredibly excited about Jason Aaron taking over writing duties and relaunching IDW's Ninja Turtle series. I absolutely love a lot, not all, but a lot of Jason Aaron's books. He is one of my favorite comic book writers. He is, uh, in around 2014, 2015, he's one of the reasons that I got like deeper into comics, kind of expanded my taste of comics, my, Expanded my horizons, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with a book called Southern Bastards, which you should read if you've not read, Rob. It's a crime noir that is set in the South that's about a football coach who uses his clout and kind of local politics as this like superstar high school football coach to run an organized crime ring. Huh. And like basically like deals in drugs and guns and things like that. And it is a comic book that I never saw coming and I dove into that and loved it. And then because I was reading that, I checked out his Thor run and then checked out his book called Scalped, which is another uh, crime story um, that takes place on an Indian reservation. Uh, That is a great book, but his Thor run, especially the first 25 issues, his Thor God of Thunder book, is my favorite Thor of all time. It's some of my favorite superhero comics of all time. 
And then the whole rest, he wrote Thor for seven years, dude. He wow. he was writing. He created uh, like the Jane Foster Thor character. Wrote that big run. The latest movie, Thor: Love and Thunder, was based off of his work on Thor, uh, which the the movie is. I'll, the movie is fine. Uh, if I'm <laughs> if I'm gonna be nice here on the podcast, the movie is fine. Uh, but um, I am really really excited, dude, because you know, not to discredit or do any disservice to any writers who have worked on TMNT before, but Jason Aaron is easily the biggest name to have ever worked on a Turtles comic book. And I know some people might hear that and be like, well, what about Kevin Eastman? And what about, and blah, blah, blah. And like, obviously you can't be bigger in the Turtles world than like Eastman and Laird, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of other names that people would like Jim Lawson and Michael Dooney and, uh, you know, Mateus and, you know, everybody that's like done real big, great things for turtles. But those guys are, are big in the turtles world and they're big because of the turtles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin Eastman is a legend in comics because he co-created Ninja Turtles and then because he did a bunch of other things. Jason Aaron is an Eisner award-winning writer. He's a best-selling comic book writer. He's written for Marvel. He's written for DC. He's written for Image, for uh, Dark Horse, I believe, for Vertigo. He's done it all, and he's not a guy that was like born and bred in the Turtles world. Now, according to the press release and the article... Uh, that came out. He's a big Turtles fan and has read Turtles, uh, like read the original Mirage stuff. But he's not a name in the comics uh, in the comics industry because of Turtles. Right. He's a name outside of Turtles that's coming to it. And in that regard, he is like an all star, top tier, like a list comic book name coming to IDW's Turtles. And this book, this run has just not had somebody like that on the book. And I am really, really psyched that IDW has brought in that level of talent to see what he can do in this sandbox. And so, like, dude, I the 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 possibilities are endless. My my optimism and like hype is pretty pretty off the charts. This guy. He's done a little bit of everything, dude. Crime stuff, sci-fi stuff, love stories, you know, big epic superhero stuff, small-scale personal like, you know, family stuff. He's he's got kind of a little bit of a thing where he writes really good father-son stories. So oh, I'm interested no. to see like, yeah, right? <laughs> he's um, going to get my heartstrings. Shoo, he he might, dude. He might. I uh I'm real interested to see what he brings to the family dynamic of the turtles and a lot of his stuff is like real gritty action stuff he's he's written a war comic that was really good he kind of cut his teeth at marvel a little bit writing a bunch of wolverine stuff so i i think he can bring he can do gritty action he can do sci-fi stuff he he can do the crime stuff really well like i think this is a guy he checks a lot of the boxes that I think are good for Turtles comics. Now I'm just impatiently waiting to see who IDW attaches as artists, uh, artist, artist singular and or artist plural uh, on this run to see 
uh, like how they match Jason Aaron and and what they bring uh, or what they bring to the table because this could be a really really big time for Turtles, dude. Yeah, super interesting. And I, I freely admit I didn't know as much about his backstory as, as you do, but I mean, it that is incredible that he is that prolific. And I, I did kind of do some research over the week, and there was another series that I think he created called The Damned. The art reminded me of Jeff Lemire's art a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. the storytelling looked really good from the screenshots that I saw. I'm like, man, this guy, okay, this is going to be really interesting. And I have some kind of curious follow-up things that I'd love to know. Like, how long is this run? I mean, obviously, it, it depends on the sales of the book. But, I mean, you think about it, the last over 10 years, I mean, <laughs> you you had Tom Waltz do 100 issues. Sophie Campbell will finish 50 issues. Is this guy planning on doing something that long? Or is this going to be one of those situations where you know a big name comic book writer will come in for about 10 issues and then somebody else will come in is it going to be a revolving door i'm curious about that i i'd love to know what the long-term play is for that i hope it i hope it's the one writer for quite some time so from from what i understand or from what the internet has told us Mm -hmm. i know nothing else (laughs) (laughs) um the announcement for him was, I mean, we basically got in the last couple months, we got two kind of big news drops, right? One was that, hey, Sophie Campbell's run is ending at 150. And not only is her run ending, but the book is kind of coming to a quote unquote soft ending. This universe isn't shutting down or, or closing its doors. This run isn't like 100% done. And I think it's going to be kind of like what you and I have speculated about before, dude, where we've hit 150 and now they're going to do a soft reboot slash relaunch where we're going to get a new number one that will be almost like Marvel and DC do these things called legacy numberings where they will restart, say like they'll, they'll restart Wonder Woman and they'll be like, hey, here's Wonder Woman number one. But really in legacy numbering, it's like, Wonder Woman 801. Right, exactly. And so I could totally see IDW doing something like that where they're relaunching with a new number one, with a new writer, a new artist, but somewhere on the cover or somewhere on the inside, the legacy numbering of this will be TMNT 151. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. for for guys like you and I and longtime readers, we know like, hey, this is still the same universe, still the same like big overall run. It's just technically like it's kind of a new volume, but, you know, like there's all kinds of things that publishers do nowadays to like differentiate this stuff. A lot of it is a mess, but I can totally see them because of the because of the level of talent with, you know, Jason Aaron because they're starting a new kind of era, if you will, I could absolutely see them going, hey, this is going to be a new number one, but it's technically Turtles 151. And as far as how long he'll be around, I don't think IDW is going to shell out the kind of money for Jason Aaron, no pun intended, to have him just show up and do like a mini series and then bounce. I think they've probably worked out something where I'd I'd imagine he's looking at 12 issues 
maybe 24 issues and they'll play it from there. I got like, you. Mm-hmm. If he he writes 12 issues and things are going well, the book is selling well, people are responding to it well, he stays on and keeps going. If not, maybe he, you know, passes the torch to somebody else and and they, you know, they pick up things and and go from where he left off. But I I would imagine with the the deal that probably had to take place and the amount of what what seems like the amount of energy that IDW is putting into this on the back end, I can see I could see them trying to go for something long term. And and I hope so. Like I hope he gets the breathing room that like Sophie had. And I definitely don't expect this guy to be on Turtles for 10 years like Tom Waltz. And I maybe don't even expect him to be on for, you know, three plus years like Sophie, but I definitely don't see it being anything shorter than at least one year. You know, 12 issues, maybe an annual, maybe I could absolutely see them doing. Uh, remember how they do like the micro series, like the Leo one shot, the Mikey mm-hmm. one shot. The I could see us getting like a new batch of those to kind of kick off this new era. We're we're about to get the source book issues, so like you know, IDW again is like doing some work to kind of like refresh the old fans, but also give like some info to newer fans. Because, dude, I've already had three people at the shop tell me like they're now interested in turtles because this guy's writing it. You know, Jason Aaron was exclusive to Marvel for a long time. I don't know exactly how long, but he, he kind of got a big break with, with Marvel and then signed an exclusive deal for them. And so he could only do Marvel stuff or creator own stuff. And just recently last year, he, uh, he stepped away from Marvel uh, on amicable terms. Like he's cool with them. Wasn't any drama or anything. But he's now written two books for DC already. He did his first Batman work. Uh, he just started a, a run on Action Comics. So the guy is in a in a very interesting kind of transitional phase of his career where he's stepping away from Marvel and, and stepping into the bigger comic book sandbox, getting to play with other like legendary comic book characters. And I mean, to come fresh out of Marvel and jump into a Batman miniseries and then a Superman miniseries and now signing. I mean, again, I don't know what kind of deal he signed, but taking over the ongoing Ninja Turtles book, it's a, a very big time in his career, a very interesting time in his career. And uh, I really can't wait to see what he does with our beloved Turtle Boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited too, man. This is going to be, this is already, we're, we're living kind of Ninja Turtle history anyway with the IDW run being as long as it's been and as good as it's been. Absolutely. And this is an interesting chapter that that's uh, being turned to here. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm always excited to see more turtles. And what also makes it kind of interesting is it makes me wonder how much involvement Kevin Eastman's going to have. Is he going to still be like a story consultor, uh, consultant for the series? Is he going to continue to do some, some side projects or work on them like uh, – the last Ronin or anything like that. Is Tom Waltz going to do anything else? Any side series? Sophie, is, is, is she sticking around for a little while? I wonder if, uh, the, you know, the biggest thing I wonder about, and of course, the only reason I bring it up is time. We're getting to the point where Peter Laird, he's got to be 70 now. And, and I know contractually, he could still do some volume four stuff. I mean, it, it was in his contract, I think, over 10 years ago when everything switched over to IDW that he could write some more Ninja Turtles stuff. Last Ronin, I thought that might be something to where they would 
come together and, and do that story. I, I often wonder, like, how much time is left for a potential comeback? I mean, we're, we're getting on 40 years of the Ninja Turtles. You know, we're running out of time here. Will it ever This year is the this- 40th anniversary, dude. Right. Yes, yes. So so could there be a side series or or maybe some kind of mirage sort of mini series or, or, or anything between Kevin Eastman and Peter Lair? Will it ever happen at this point? Because... I know, you know, with older folks, especially somebody who who writes and inks as a trade, arthritis is going to be unbearable, the older people get. Do you think, I guess this is just for fun, we're we're getting up on 40 years of Ninja Turtles. Do you think it'll ever happen? I will say that I've lived long enough, Rob, to never say never. Right. Um, (laughs) And and we just, just recently... Uh, what book was it for? Uh, I mean, Kevin and Kevin and Peter uh, did a cover together for a Turtles book uh, in the last handful of years. Like Kevin drew it, and I think Peter inked it. And um, I I did do some checking while you were talking. We are hitting forty years of the Turtles. Peter Laird, as of right now, is sixty nine years old. Wow! Yeah, he turned seventy. In the next couple weeks, dude, he turns uh, turns seventy on January twenty seventh. Uh, so happy early birthday to Peter Laird. But um, I I think you bring up some interesting points, dude. Where look, we know based on press releases and, and info that's been you know talked about that Sophie is not entirely done with turtles. She's done with the main ongoing, but she's not completely stepping away from the IDW universe. She will probably be around maybe for some art duties, maybe for some kind of mini series or some kind of tie-in or something. I can't imagine that IDW and Kevin Eastman are done with each other. Last Ronin 2 is about to drop. Uh, so we know he's helping write that and and probably helping with layouts for that, if not just doing the layouts entirely by himself. So he's still involved big time. Tom Waltz is probably co-writing Last Ronin 2. He's still an editor at IDW. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's got his hands all over future Turtle stuff. So I think the names that we are familiar with, the names that we've come to trust throughout the years of IDW Comics are are going to be around and will you know be helping stir the proverbial pot. Uh, and you got to think too, dude, like Eric Burnham and Matea Santaloco have a mini series that's about to come out with yeah. Untold Destiny of the Foot Clan. Uh, so uh, they've, they've already announced that the, the free comic book day book this year is, uh, has got some stuff in it uh, from Jason Aaron and from Junie Ba, who we've seen do a couple, a couple Turtles annuals, books yeah. already. So mm-hmm. like... I think it's a real interesting time for Turtles comics, a really exciting time for Turtles comics. I can't imagine that IDW and the folks at, you know, Paramount Nickelodeon or, or not Paramount, sorry, Viacom Nickelodeon are uh, are not pretty excited about the potential of all this. Oh, you betcha, man. I, you know, and as you're saying all this and you mentioned all the names, to put it in into perspective, I mean, think about the last few years. You've had the last Ronin come out, which exploded. Uh, I mean, absolutely exploded. 
you had the Armageddon game come out, which was a really, really big story arc. Where do you go from here? You hire this huge gun in, in a writer here, but what do the legendary uh, IDW creators that we've learned to love and trust, what do they do now? I don't think they're riding off into the sunset yet. So I think there's probably going to be something big again. I mean, you know, and again, I'm kind of fantasy booking here, but wouldn't it be really cool if they did almost like an Enter the Spider-Verse kind of thing with every iteration of every volume of the Turtles? And you could wrap up some loose ends with Mirage and Peter Laird in volume four. Uh, you could bring in the image crew again. Uh, you could bring in Jim Lawson. I mean, and, and do some kind of story arc that wraps everything up. I don't know, in almost like an Armageddon game kind of fashion through multiverses of the Turtles. I just, I wonder if that could, something like that, that's the only thing I could think of that could be even bigger than Last Ronin, is something like that. Who knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> but never I, say never. No, exactly right, dude. Never say never. And I think that I would love for them to do something, you know, kind of across the Spider-Verse style or into the Spider-Verse style. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if they were going to do that, they would reach across mediums, right? Like, yes, they would, it would be part comics, part TV, part movie. And they'd, they'd mix those worlds together instead of right. like, uh, individual volumes of the comic stuff. Uh, but again, who knows, man? And I think too, like, some of these guys, again, that we know and love, the Lawsons and the Levines and the Doonies and mm -hmm. the, gosh, the A.C. Farley, man. Like, I, yeah. I want to I see A.C. Farley Turtles again before I die, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, those, those are some of my favorite old school turtles. And um, I think, like, there's plenty of room for those guys to, to do variant covers or to come in and do some kind of one shot. Like... I would love for there to be another series, uh, like I mentioned before, like the micro series where it's like, dude, give me a give me a Donnie micro series that, you know, helps launch this new era written by, you know, who whether it's, you know, Jason Aaron or somebody who who's written Turtles before, but that is illustrated by like an old school turtles artist. Mm -hmm. Um now again I think I think that's maybe a little unlikely because I'd imagine that IDW is IDW and Viacom are probably trying to use this as a chance to step into the future uh, and to look forward and to kind of expand, if you will, or, or heighten, if you will, the Turtles comics brand air quotes around the word brand right now, the Ninja Turtles brand itself is way 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 up there like it's we're we're on the moon right now with turtles dude like everybody right. loved mutant mayhem all the toys and merchandise made like a billion dollars this year like turtle stuff is is moving 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 NECA, super seven playmates uh you know comics movies blah 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 like we're we're crushing it right now turtles fans are super super blessed so with all that, with everything kind of being, you know, eyes on the prize and, hey, we're doing really good, I think that they're going to try to to raise the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like raise the status, if you will, mm -hmm. of the Turtles comics. And getting somebody like Jason Aaron, I feel like, is a big step in that direction. And 
I'd imagine that once they get around to announcing artists, I think we're going to see artists that do the same thing. Like they might not all be A-list names or, or whoever's writing them or excuse me, whoever's illustrating the main ongoing might not be an A-list name. Cause I know it's, there's only so much money and for, for writers and artists, there's only so much time. Mm-hmm. I, I think again, dude, that they're going to want this to, to feel as big as it could feel. And the way you do that is you, you get names that people trust. You get names that people enjoy and, and you, you shoot for the moon. Yeah. And, and I think IDW and Viacom, even in the last couple of years, man, with like their variant program expanding and getting some of the names that they've got for, for variant covers. Um, they've had a lot of, you know, if not a list names, like really, really popular names in comics do variant covers in the last couple years as to where before that they would not really do anything like that. Like there's a, there's a variant cover for 147 or 148, dude. I can't remember which one it is uh, by a guy named James Heron, who is like one of the most popular comic artists in the game right now. Having having variant covers by Daniel Warren Johnson uh, for like the Turtle Stranger Things and Turtle Street Fighter. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is maybe the hottest comic creator in comics right now. His Transformers book is crushing it. Uh, his last creator-owned book crushed it. Like they they're they're aiming for you know for more popular names, and I think Turtles has this real cool. Uh, possibility or this real cool uh, kind of like opportunity to bridge the things we're talking about, like stepping into the future and getting names that are popular right now, bridging that gap between talent like that and the talent who made the turtles what they are. Right. That's why I could see, you know, it going both ways, you know, it, it being bigger than it's ever been with, with a new writer. And at the same time, a lot of the the folks like Sophie Campbell, the, the fans that that ended up being creators as well, that might do something else. I, I could just see the, you know that team finding a way to include some others that have been wanting to be part of the book or come back to the book for quite some time, doing that during the same time because you know again there is that time factor too. I I see the the turtles like you said the brand just getting bigger and bigger and right now they're striking while the iron's hot absolutely. And, yeah. and maybe getting it to that next level. But also I, I, I see an aging Peter Laird and, and I mean, I also see a Jim Lawson that would love to create some, some more turtle stories, you know, and, yeah. and could there be both coming up soon? I, I don't know. I, I think so. I mean, dude, I'm sure like, you know, Eastman's not as old as Laird is, but I mean, I, I bet yeah. Eastman's kind of, you know, sure. feeling it as well, dude. He's, he's riding high on the success of last Ronin and stuff got to step away at some point and like, why not, you know, Eastman's got an opportunity right now to like walk away from the game while he's on top instead of like fizzling out or burning oh, out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a- as far as getting Jason Aaron on turtles, yeah. uh, props to, to whoever made that happen at, at IDW and Viacom. I think it's a step in the right direction. Let me re rearticulate that. If the goal is to get a bigger name, on the book and the goal is to to make the book feel quote unquote bigger you know feel like it could be on a be on the shelves alongside some of these you know again quote unquote top tier superhero books and and you know things like that 
then I think getting somebody like Jason Aaron is a step in the right direction. We Turtle fans know, and a lot of comic fans know, this book has already been good. It mm-hmm. it deserves to be on on comic book shelves right next to your Spider-Mans and your Batmans and your X-Men and all that stuff. I would argue that for 10 plus years, the Ninja Turtles book has been more consistent than a lot of those books. And yeah, and it's a testament to to the team uh, who is who is writing and drawing and editing and lettering and coloring all of those things. You know, we've we've sung we've sung praises to the high heavens for all these people, and they they absolutely deserve it. But if you want to quote unquote level up the the Turtles comic books, getting a name like this is going to do that. And now I just can't wait to see who is tackling the art. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited. Again, bittersweet because I wish that Sophie could write and draw turtles until the cows came home. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm excited that if you know if she's got to walk away, getting getting somebody like Jason Aaron is is really really dope. That's awesome, man. And just like you said, two writers and you know a handful of artists. Uh, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic books for this IDW run has been, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you and I are very, very similar, it has been by far my favorite run of the Ninja Turtles. I mean, it has been a legendary run. Absolutely. And, um, where do you go after that, right? And, and this is like the, the best situation they, they could have gone with, you know, something like this, because it's hard to top anything like, like what's already been done. I mean, we're, we're, we're living through history here and it's, it's pretty cool to see that the future still looks bright. And yep. I think there's a lot of potential, the bright spots aside from just Jason Aaron uh, being involved, uh, that, that, uh, we could look forward to as Turtles fans. So a hundred percent, dude. But yeah, man. So before we uh, get too far ahead of ourselves, we still got a story arc to finish here. So about an hour into yeah, our do. show, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a typical, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles uh, Forever uh, style here. It takes about an hour to talk about the comic, but here we go. <laughs> yep. What What can we say other than I've I've joked with this before that we are consistently inconsistent and we are inconsistently consistent. Amen to that. Amen to that. And somehow, guys. You you still listen, and we thank you so much. We we love you guys yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like all twelve of you, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> the the turtles comics are are I mean the turtles in general, the characters are nothing without the fans, and and we are fans like you guys, and so that anybody takes extra time out of their day to listen to me rant about something. Uh, means means a lot. You guys uh, chiming in on Twitter and and social media and 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 the friends that listen and text me or message me like it it really means a lot, guys. And dis- despite all the things that I gripe and moan about time wise and being tired and all that, like I really do enjoy doing this. I really enjoy doing this with Rob. And uh, I I don't know if you know this, Rob, but uh, Ninja Turtles they're great. I love them. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, you know, right back at you, man. The, you know, just the, the, the fact that people would take the time to listen to us, you know, in spite of all all the breaks and everything, and and you know, just the fact that we can still talk about Ninja Turtles comics, it's it's a blessing in itself. So, buddy, I think we need to talk about this one. It's a good one. Let's do it. Hello, violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be schooled. 
All right, so I'll start off with the story so far. Well, actually, before I do that, I mean, these covers are absolutely gorgeous. The I have the cover A, uh, art by uh, Vincenzo Federici with the Leonardo and his sword, which we found that is from Tales Volume 2. Yeah. Uh, I forget which issue specifically uh, off the top of my head, but I knew it was from Tales somewhere. I was like, I bet you it's late in the Volume 2 run, which which I haven't read all those. You you called it, and Sophie confirmed it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. That's that's what I loved about Sophie from, from day one is she, she – she creates awesome new stuff while also paying tribute to the old stuff. I love that. And speaking of Sophie, I love her cover B with Kevin Eastman. That is a match made in heaven, those two. I love that cover. I mean, dude, not to side rail us again, but can you imagine a Turtles book written and illustrated by Sophie and Kevin? Like if they teamed up oh. for like a little four-issue miniseries? Sophie, if you're listening, that's that's what we want. That's what the people want. <laughs> Ke- Kevin Eastman, if you hear this... Yeah. I don't think he's listening to us. He might be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he is either. But <laughs> he's a busy guy. <laughs> but no, man. I I totally agree. I've I've said it a million times. I love the Eastman and Campbell uh, covers. This one is great. I love when they do uh, like the the crazy hot pink, like balancing stuff out. Yeah. Um. I I just really think that Sophie's pencils with Kevin Inks are really really cool. Uh, Vincenzo's cover has this kind of like you know, gloomy Western kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it. Like I really dig that. Uh, and then I also have the, the RI covered by Riley Rosmo. And again, to go back to the question or to the conversation we just had, like Riley Rosmo is a guy who has spent the last, I want to say two or three years, uh, illustrating a Harley Quinn book for DC. Right now he's illustrating a, uh, a Wesley Dodd Sandman book for DC. He was doing a Robin uh, series for DC. Like Riley Rosmo is a, is a name that people love, people dig his style. And, and again, for IDW to get a guy like him to do a cover, pretty, pretty dope. That's um, awesome. I, I wouldn't mind seeing more turtles from, from Riley Rosmo. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I'll go ahead and read these stories so far and we'll get right into it, my friend. Sounds good, dude. All right, so here we go. This is issue 146. Armagon is here. Donatello, Venus, and Bob were thrust through the past, the furthest future, where they come face-to-face with Armagon and discover Donatello is responsible for his creation. And little do they know that Leo's protege, Bob, or at least a future version of him, is the one who sent them there. Having taken the place of his present-day counterpart, This future Bob is ensconcing himself in Northampton with Leonardo and April for reasons yet unclear. So the story consulting was done by uh, Kevin Eastman, stories by Sophie Campbell, art by Vincenzo Federici, colors by Rhonda Patterson, letters by Sean Lee. Our editorial assistant is Nicholas Nino, editors are Charles Beecham and Jamie S. Rich. So, uh, guys, we pick up essentially right where the last issue left off. Leo and April and Carmen have woken up with Lita. They saw the crazy lights going on outside. They were like, yo, we need to go investigate this. What is going on? They get out into the woods. They find Donnie's laboratory uh, going all crazy. They see all these lights, all these crazy things coming around. And we find them right in the middle of the action with Leo saying, what is it? Lita's like, pretty, looks like magic. Uh, Very fun lettering right there by Sean Lee. (laughs) And April says, I was afraid of that. Leo, we should check it out. It's got to be something from the thin place. Definitely, And Leo says, definitely, Carmen, stay here at the house with Lita. She says, got it, sensei. 
Leo and April rush off to see what is going on. And they find, again, the lab with the portal, uh, or excuse me, the wormhole, opened up wide, everything looks like a mess, and future Bob is standing there literally looking like an evil villain. Uh, <laughs> the whole time. Bro, the dude has a, a dark, like he is literally like a dark shadowy figure. He's got red eyes, dude. Red eyes. Like, I think like it is comic book and or cartoon 101. Like, dude's got red eyes, bad guy. Like, just... <laughs> off rip it's it's one of those things that's like designed for kids to know like this is how you know this dude's not good he's got red eyes um <laughs> and but, i think there's even a scene where one of the uh where it's either leonardo or april looks at him like uh, you seem a little sus but they never do oh, say anything about it <laughs> dude there is the, it's so f- i'm glad you brought that up because there's a shot in here where april looks at future bob and is like yo why do you look so sus and then there's a scene where venus looks at present Bob when they're in the future. And she's like, why do you look sus? <laughs> so I'm poor Bob. I, th- I think the story and the characters are trying to tell us that Bob is sus. <laughs> and, and we, the viewer know this and I wish we could tell them anyways, they catch up with future Bob standing there looking like he's about to crack into his villain monologue. And Leo says, Bob, what are you doing out here? Have you seen Donnie? He doesn't say anything. April says, look at these EM uh, EM field levels. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to try to shut the wormhole down. God, I wish Donnie were here. Leo then noticing these weird, mutated, like gloopy monsters jumping out of the ground says, April, look out. They start fighting. And future Bob is also fighting these monsters, which I thought was an interesting little detail. They are protecting April while she's trying to figure out something to do. She says, got to find the, wait, this can't be right. Leo, I think Donnie and Venus are. Leo jumps down to sm- uh, smash another one of these monsters. and says, is that all of them? April, you okay? Yeah, but uh, Donnie and Venus aren't. She shows him a laptop that she was working on. And says, according to the data here, they went into the wormhole. We all know that's not good. No. April then says, I figured all the weird substance was being caused by the wormhole and its electromagnetic field. But when I went to try to shut it down... The mass was all wrong. The readings show three biosignatures. Two of them have to be Donnie and Venus. Leo says, three? Are you sure? How do we get them out? April sighs. I don't know. That was Don and Venus's department. I don't know a thing about the magical aspect of all this. And then here you go. She looks at future Bob, whose eyes are now not red. At least in that panel, they're not. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The next page over, they are red. But in this panel, they're not red. And April looks at him like... This dude is sketchy. (laughs) She says, I'm just the computer tech person. I know about bioengineering and tissue diagnostics. I flunked quantum field theory. Leo says, April, don't fall apart on me. You're the only one here who knows anything about this stuff. Come on, let's get back to the house. We need to be ready in case more of those those creatures show up. They head back into the woods. uh, But as they do so, we see future Bob, again, this time with red eyes, slowly and very creepily like reach out towards april and start like taking her q a is i'm assuming what's happening he's like absorbing it into his fingertips and we get a narration uh box from leo says i don't feel good about it either april but i know how smart you are donnie wanted your help on this for a reason and don't forget i know a bit of magic so maybe together we can figure it out 
And April says, yeah, you're right. I just know this is a problem beyond my expertise. I've always been able to solve science and math stuff, but this, I need to go back to school and get like a four-year sorcery degree. <laughs> and as she's saying that, we cut back to Bob, who reveals he's got some crazy device in his chest that is, and maybe we saw this in the last issue and I'm just forgetting, but this crazy de uh, device is like containing the Q&A that he's absorbing. And April says, or Leo says, okay, April, let's just take a breath. And Bob says, yes, take a breath. More energy for you, master. And we turn the page and we see the Q&A that he's absorbed. And I'm assuming like it's going into his device and going through some kind of portal that's connecting him to Armagon. And maybe this is, this is either Bob or... Or it's Armagon speaking who says, eat, grow, adapt, annihilate. And we see this crazy shot of Armagon, who again is like part magical sorcery space shark. He's got these like yeah. crazy That's like awesome. skull demon faces in his belly, mechanical tubes and things flowing from him. Absolutely just insane. Um, and with that, Rob, I will let you take over. You know, I just thought about this now, you know, that that he, he's working for Armagon here. It kind of reminds me of uh, the whole Galactus and Silver Surfer kind of vibe, at least at the very beginning. Oh. Like he's scouting things out just for Armagon to destroy. Is uh, Bob the the herald of Armagon? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't, at least Sus Bob is. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Sus Bob. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so first of all, I love Vincenzo's, um, version of Armagon. And if you actually look at the belly of the beast here, you see all these lost souls, these faces and everything. I didn't notice that until just now as I'm zooming out. Looks really cool. But yeah, so right where it says annihilate that panel, you can see it. So the bottom of that page, oh, by the way, this is the Donatello that went through the portal, the current storyline Donatello. Is that Q&A that he's absorbing? Oh, God, Venus. And the Venus replies, where are they coming from? So they're all seeing all this happen right in front of them. Venus realizes, it goes, Donatello, Bob, do you feel that? So Donatello, he sees all these orbs and everything around him. It looks like these souls of people. He, I think he's communicating with us. And Venus confirms that, yeah, through Q&A. Pain, I think. That's what he's trying to convey. I believe, I understand. It's, it's anger, it's rage. That's what Venus says. And then Donatello's like, yep. I think I know who he's angry at. <laughs> that, would, that would be me. So he yeah. goes, anger at me for his creation. Next page. And we see Armagon is, is making uh, his way through these, I guess you could call them portals or whatever you want to call it. And Dante was trying to reach out to him before he does. He goes, no, wait, 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 don't go. We can communicate. I can understand you. Just let me. And then, of course, Armagon's halfway through the portal. And... Donatello, he decides he, he's going to get his, his gauntlet and they're going to go after him. Come to think of it, so they're in this, I guess, this portal that leads them to different or futures, I think it is. So, uh, I, I think it's all, I think it's all time related stuff. Yes. Like they're, they're, yeah, they're going through these, these portals that are, uh, taking them to different points in time. I see, yeah, which would make sense with the characters who show up at the very end. So that that makes sense. Sure. Not alternate realities, but but time itself. So uh, Venus, she goes, do you think you can truly communicate with a thing like that, Donatello? Donatello goes, I have to try. I have to fix this. 
Venus, don't let that barrier drop. Bob, hold on. And Bob's like, what? To what? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to steer this thing. So Bob, he's he's just trying to hold on for dear life here as they're making their way through these portals here or this this Mario-like tunnel here. <laughs> We're just taking all over the place. Yeah. Bob says, yo, Don, check out these holes that he's chewing all over the place. It's like he's left a trail. Donatello goes, good, good call, Bob. It, it's tough, but I think I can – but unfortunately, they, they end up losing him and falling down one of the, the tunnels here that spits them out in this, this portal of this barren wasteland, which, which look at, which is what, uh, is referenced, uh, in the cover with Vincenzo's cover. So they fall onto the desert and Donatello, Donatello goes, Venus, are you all right? Here. Venus says, uh, yes, just spent. That spell really took a lot out of me. So Dantel is carrying Venus. They don't know where they are, where they're going. And he says, Venus, this looks similar to the future time period that we visited, doesn't it? Or maybe we've actually arrived at the point in time that I was trying to reach in the first place. Maybe the experiment did work. But who was the hooded figure in the grove? Another time travel, maybe? But I have no idea what they were doing. Sus Bob. <laughs> Absolutely. That's his name. Uh, so poor, uh, Venus, she's, she's, uh, in pretty sorry shape here, but Donatello goes, where and when do you think Armagon is going? The anger he felt toward me, why didn't he just take me out right then and there, if he hates me so much? Uh, we were all helpless against him, which, that's what made me think, why is he, uh, what I wonder is, is Armagon trying to take Donatello to a point where he can prevent everything from happening in the first place? Oh, I like that, like... Like Armagon is trying to lead Donnie to a point in time where he can stop his creation. Right, right. Oh, okay. I'm guessing at this point, but uh, Donatello goes, I just, I feel responsible for all that, the pain and the anger, at least in Armagon's mind. And then Venus senses it. She goes, Armagon wants to die. He's in pain. Donatello, he replies, I know. I just, I need to talk to him somehow, explain things. And... The good Bob, he says, hey, check it out, a, a town or something. Somebody's coming. And we see this hooded figure holding a sword. And with that, I will leave it right back over to you. I, uh, I appreciate you calling him good Bob because that just sounds funny. It sounds as funny as sus Bob. <laughs> um, right. But I, th- I think you're being real generous there with good Bob. I, I would call him less sus Bob. That's true. Uh, That's true. He he is wearing this little like device that Sus Bob gave him and and look man I get it I'm trying to it's I'm trying to feel Bob. for the guy it misguided Bob is good like Bob is a dude who used to be a human and now he's a mutant and he doesn't love it he's mm-hmm. not used to being a mutant he's used to being a dude and he wants to go back to being a dude and like I I can feel that in a way like I used to be spry and athletic and and like 20 pounds lighter. And you know what, Rob? I I wish I was 20 pounds lighter again. So I maybe there's a sus Zach out there somewhere that's going to like give me a watch that will make me go back in time and be 20 pounds lighter. I'm waiting to find him. Oh, that well, you know, I think he already came back cuz uh, you were kind of robot roboting out at the beginning of the show, but did you say that you started skating again? Oh, I, d- you, I did, dude. Uh, Ronan and I both have skateboards. I'm skateboarding. And I got a gym membership. I've gone to the gym a few times this week. So. Oh, well, see, it's happening. Maybe maybe Sussack came by and said, hey, man. He's he, he came by and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, like a thief in the night, man, I'm telling you. All right, man. So 
we get a uh, future Leo here, future barren wasteland, desert Leo, Jedi Leo <laughs> says Venus and Bob, you must be from the past. It's so good to see all of you again. Donnie says, Leo, what happened? This isn't anything like what we saw of big Lita's future. Where is everyone? Leo says, ah, the village hasn't been like that in a long time. The Splinter Clan drifted apart over the years. You know how it goes. Just a few of us stuck it out. Raph and Umeko had a falling out. No one's seen him or Pepperoni since. Jenny and Sheena went off to live by themselves and start a family of their own. And Mikey just, he went out into the wasteland one day and no one's heard from him since either. We all used to communicate through our Gofu talismans from time to time, but it's been silent for years. And again, man, like, I, I love the idea that the, the biggest struggle or, or, or the biggest thing to overcome or the biggest hurdle for the turtles is keeping the family together. Right. There's been numerous things in turtles history, but like just in this IDW run alone, there's been a couple things where like a possible future has sprouted up and for the turtles, the worst part of that future is them not being together. Uh, is that something, uh, something that occurs like breaks them apart. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. You're right. And, and just even the very first story arc with Raph being the one left behind, you know? Yeah. So that, and when they finally re reunite, it's such a touching thing. That's been a recurring theme all throughout the series. So we may not know exactly plot wise, how 150 is going to end everything. But one thing I do sense is that the family will be reunited in some way. You know what, Rob, that is awfully optimistic of you. <laughs> I hope. And I would like to be optimistic as well, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Something, something with Armagon and this like eating the timeline stuff and all these like possible bad futures that we've experienced with Donnie, like something just feels, I'm, I'm bracing myself. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm expecting the worst, hoping for the best. Um, but it's Donatello. He'll fix it. He always does. Uh, yeah, man. He he always does. He's the guy <laughs> that made the big shark, Rob. Like <laughs> he he did this. Uh, I I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. I again cautious, cautiously optimistic. Well, well. Quick side note. You know, you brought up something that I cannot not see him this way now. Uh, you said Jedi Leo, and I'm thinking, uh -huh. man, he does really throw off a lot of uh, Obi Wan vibes here. You know, yeah. with the robe, and I was hoping that he would just say hello there <laughs> at the very <laughs> beginning. That'd been perfect. <laughs> should have, should have. Man, I wonder who's writing this book. I wonder if they're a Star Wars fan. Oh, I got a feeling. All right, man. So Donnie says the talismans from our thin place ritual. And Leo says, and you, Donnie, your future self. Once you became a full-fledged sorcerer, you withdrew from all of us. You created your children, and you left. And Donnie, with like one of the most hilarious reaction faces we've seen in all of these issues, says, what? My children? And then Leo just ever so casually, ah, I've said too much already. <laughs> Still hard for me to talk about. It's like, yeah, bro, you had a couple kids and then you bailed. You, you became a dad and you changed and you left all of us. <laughs> Donnie says, I'm sorry, but is my future self still alive in this time period? Leo says, yes, he lives in a tower west of here, near Venus and Bludgeon's Aura clan training grounds. 
We must go there before Armagon arrives. We need to learn what Donatello's future self knows. And that's Venus saying that. And Venus looks really epic in that bottom panel. I love the way uh, Vincenzo illustrated her there. It's really rad. We turn the page and we get Donnie and Venus talking. And Donnie says, right, it's clear he never took any steps to stop Armagon, but that doesn't mean we can't still change things. And Venus says, I know it's painful, but will you take us there, Leonardo? Leo says, well... Why don't you catch your breath first? Eat, rest, regain your strength. Koi and I will prepare dinner. Donnie says, we don't know when Armagon will show up exactly, so we should hurry, but... And Venus says, let's rest. I need to replenish my magic anyways. Koya drops in and says, yes, listen to my darling Leo. Tonight, let us drink and feast. And Leo says, just think. It will be like the Splinter Clan in the old days. We cut to a panel of everybody hanging out around a campfire, eating some food, enjoying each other's company... Uh, except for Good Bob, a.k.a. Less Sus Bob, is standing <laughs> off to the side of the party being sus. Leo's got some narration uh, saying, when things were simpler and there were still possibilities, he says, rest tonight and we'll leave for the tower at first light. And now this part kind of, I don't know how you felt about this, Rob. This obviously didn't re- ruin the book or anything for me, but it's like Donnie says, hey, maybe we shouldn't wait. Because we don't know when Armagon's going to get here. We we should be on top of this. And I get that Venus is like, oh, well, I need to rest and, like, you know, recharge my magic. And Leo's like, yeah, you know, rest your bones, you know, let's eat some food. But they're literally, like, worried that Armagon is going to show up and they're not prepared. They take off on needle nose and you turn the page, boom, Armagon's there and they're like, crap, we're too late. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, well, maybe we should have listened to Donnie and shouldn't have had a sleepover and shouldn't have recharged our magic. And like, you know, maybe we wouldn't have to worry about the big shark guy coming from the sky, but yeah. Moral of the story, listen to Donnie. Moral of the story, listen to Donnie sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Not all the time. Sometimes. But sometimes. Um, Rob, I will let you take it from here. All right. Yeah. So first of all, I, I, this isn't the first time we see needle nose fry. We've seen him before. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think when I think in Alliance number four, when we saw or no, um, I do not know the issue off the top of my head. Was it the future Lita saga? Or the- I think so. Right. When she opened the portal at the end and we saw like the possible future where everybody was like doing yoga together and stuff. And there was like a big family shot. Yes. Yes. OK. OK. Yeah. That I think that was it. I was going to say, but I love needle nose. I always wanted that toy as a kid. Yeah. I'm looking at one on eBay right now. It's complete in box for four hundred and forty nine dollars. I'm like, well, keep dreaming, Rob. Keep dreaming. Well, you know what, man? F- in box four hundred and forty dollars. I bet you could find one loose, incomplete, for like twenty bucks. Yes, that's what I'm hoping for. I, I can't do the so you you gotta find you gotta find a loose one that's incomplete, and then you piece them together. So like maybe all in all, you end up spending like fifty bucks, but then you got a complete needle nose. Exactly, and the kids can play with and it. And you can play with it. Boom! See, there you go. There you go. Exactly. Well, speaking of needle nose, so the whole crew they are flying towards this giant red hole in the sky, which is not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. Venus almost has this look like, yeah, I was wrong. I should have listened to you. <laughs> like in this one, <laughs> she does. Uh, she goes. Um, Dantella goes. Why does Armagon appear here of all times and places? What does he get out of destroying? And then Venus goes, "It's you." And Dantella's like, "Yeah, I guess that makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was blaming himself earlier, so uh, yeah. Dantel, he goes, me, yeah, my past self, the version of me that, that traveled here was before our experiment. 
Oh no, that has to be it. Like you said, Venus, he's in pain and he hates me. Armagon is eating his way through time so that he can prevent his own existence. A really gorgeous shot here. So Deedlenose is making its way towards Armagon, and Armagon is just going to town eating this entire setting here and all the people with it. It's pretty uh, pretty morbid. And I don't know what he gets out of absorbing all these people. I'm not exactly sure. But he opens his mouth, and now Venus and, and, and some others are starting to kind of fall through the air here. I apologize. No, that's not Venus. It looked like her from a distance. No, it is Venus in the second yeah, yeah, the, the Yeah, so remember in in Alliance number four, oh, we that's saw a flashback. I see it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so it it feels like it it kind of feels like we're we're seeing what Donnie saw in Alliance number four from like a different angle. Right. Like Donnie's Donnie's seeing it again. Yes. This is all coming to reality now. This is like what that flash four was all about. Okay. So uh, I think this is Don Teller says, Venus, if we could figure out the temporal coordinates, hold on, we, we can at least try to rescue as many as we can. Talking about the people that uh, Armagon's devouring. Uh, they go, well, we, could, we could go back and stop the experiment ourselves before Armagon gets, gets there and destroys everyone. But this giant boulder flies through the air and knocks Needlenose and the turtles to the ground. Old Leo, he says, you see, Donnie, I didn't want us to come here. Donatello, he replies, well, we had to, Leo. I'm trying to save you, all of us, in the past. And a pretty emotional scene right here. So uh, Leo, he goes, I wanted to spend some time with the Donatello that I remembered and loved, my brother. Donatello's right beside him as they're running towards Armagon. Leo goes, before you had to go fixing everything with your magic. I think that's Donatello there. Yeah, he goes, I'm sorry I didn't. And Leo goes, it doesn't matter now. Just run. And Donatello, he looks back with tears in his eyes and goes, wait, Leo, what are you doing? And grabs his sword. And he says, like you said, Donnie. And I'll leave that page to you, man. It's a good scene. Yeah, this was, uh, re rereading this earlier, I was like, man, this is, this is the good stuff. Uh, feels, feels like big action. And even though, like, we're, we're seeing these two brothers from two different parts in time who technically, like, don't really know each other you know anymore but they're still just like they're brothers and they know it and you feel it and when it comes down to it like you still love your family and you try to protect them and uh and so leo says like you said donnie you're saving us in the past so don't worry about me and donnie says leo don't and leo throws him his uh, uh gofu uh, talisman uh, and then he jumps at Armagon with his uh, futuristic Tron lightsaber sword uh, in like a blaze of glory as Donnie and uh, good Bob and Venus look on. He he goes flying into Armagon's mouth as Donnie says, I'm sorry, Leo. And then behind them, we get some sound effects and a big blue portal is opening up. And we get a an epic kind of arrival scene of Raph, Lita, and Renette herself. So the the time travel stuff is fully on and popping when Renette shows up. Yeah. Um, so I am uh, obviously end of the issue cliffhanger here. Lita is reaching out with like a, a helping hand, uh, but I love that 
Renette looks cheery and Lita looks, you know, uh, cheery and kind of optimistic. And then there's like old man Raph there who doesn't, doesn't really look that happy he's, about he's anything. Stoic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, man, that's the end of the issue. Yeah. That end, the ending gives me a vibe that things are going to be okay. Cause like Lita, future Lita warned, uh, I think it was Donatello or it was one of the turtles or maybe all of them, you know, be, beware of Bob. <laughs> I remember that. And Carmen too, I think she said, or be on the lookout for them. And yeah, she told she told Leo to be on the lookout for Bob and Carmen. Yes, yes. And I remember at, at the time we were like, "What? Now it all makes sense." And here she looks comforted like it's going to be okay. So this this tells me there might be a possible resolution here that doesn't end in everyone dying or or doesn't end with Armagon destroying everything. So Yeah. Um this makes me think that, you know, Lita knew this was going to happen all along. Again, it's just one shot, but it's got a comforting vibe to me. And Raph always kind of looks, you know, he's, he's always got a grimace. So maybe that's, he, that's his happy face. Yeah. <laughs> he's, per- yeah, he's perpetually grumpy. <laughs> exactly. Especially old man Raph here. So, so what did you think, man? Did you like this issue? I, uh, I really like this issue, dude. Um, I, again, I think, think Sophie's building us up, uh, building, building the end of this story up, going to take us on an epic journey. We still got 47, uh, 47 is out in like a week or two, mm-hmm. 48, 49, 50. Um, dang, still crazy to think we still got four more issues and 150 is going to be oversized. Yeah. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's going to be like twice, twice the size. So now that 150 cover, uh, I, I don't know if it was even the cover. I saw something. It might've even been in the collection that I'm looking at right now. It was like a preview cover of, I don't even know where I saw it, but it was basically, Every single character that you could think of that was in the IDW series for those 150 issues, all mm-hmm. cram-packed into one giant image. And it looked yep. like it might have been Sophie Campbell's artwork. I'm not positive on that. It's not. Uh, oh, it's not. Okay. But that cover was gorgeous. I love it. I really like that cover too. And it is by a gentleman named Jesse Lonergan. Oh, wow. Who is kind of like an up-and-coming name in comics right now. He illustrated a book... Um, a book that Mike Mignola wrote, Jesse uh, illustrated it. It's called like Madam Hyperborea, or uh, and now I feel like a dork for not knowing it. But he he's done some uh, creator own stuff, like he's written his own kind of short stories and illustrated them. He's done some art for other stories. He actually did a a Turtles variant um, a couple issues ago. Uh, I don't know if you saw the one Rob where like they are. Like the turtles are in like a maze on the front of the cover. Like it's this big maze shot and the turtles are like mm. kind of small on it. He did that. Oh, um, cool. And he's got a book actually coming out that I'm really excited about um, that he, somebody else is writing it. He's illustrating it. It's called man's best. Uh, and it's about these two dogs and a cat in space who are trying to save their owners after like a, like something goes wrong on a space station um, but Jesse Lonergan's got a real, real cool art style. Uh, and he's somebody, and also part of me, I'm, I'm assuming that Jesse Lonergan is, is a man. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Forgive me if I am, am blowing it there, but I would not mind seeing more Jesse Lonergan Ninja Turtles, uh, because you're yeah. right that, that variant for 150 with everybody on it, uh, everybody is on it eating pizza, mind you. Like they're not just, oh, they're not wonderful. just on the cover. 
everybody is on the cover eating pizza. Uh, very fun cover. I can't wait to see more of the cover reveals for 150. You know they're going to go big with it. There's probably going to be four or five variants, um, and I bet a bunch of people uh, or a bunch of a bunch of shops are probably going to have retailer exclusive covers. So. I, uh, I'm sure IDW is going to try to go hard with that uh, since it is, again, the the end of the run as we know it. Yeah, that, I saw that. I was like, that is just perfect. Absolutely perfect. I would love to have a poster of that just hanging up somewhere. But uh, That would be cool. Yeah. And, you know, I really like I like the storyline that uh, I love the idea. It's like we said in the last episode, this is a way to do some resetting. And this is a way to also do some reuniting as well with uh, the turtles kind of being torn apart in in so many ways and even in the present storyline they're going their separate ways so i have a feeling again maybe this is optimistic of me but i have a feeling that we're heading towards a a positive um reuniting direction but this was another great piece in the puzzle i I really enjoyed this and it's interesting that armagon uh he wants to die you know i I, you think of him just as this one-dimensional like destructive monster but it sounds like he just wants an end to his pain. And yeah. that's that's a cool spin on a uh, a character that that has been part of Turtles lore for a long time. Yeah, we've we've seen some cool uh kind of tweaks and twists to Armagon and I I thought that him being a giant uh Galactus type um kind of interdimensional being was very cool and and you're right man like him him doing this because he just wants an end to things again makes me wonder like what the end game is like what if if his goal is to just eat time in existence so that it doesn't uh i mean that i don't think i don't think that can be the end for him because he operates kind of within and outside of time and space right like Mm -hmm. he can kind of like chomp through and like open these portals up or whatever so i think it's more likely that his goal is he wants to eat whatever point in time he believes made him this thing he is and he believes that that's donnie uh and and i mean we've seen that that's donnie like he created he did whatever he did that made armagon into what he is now so it, it feels like Armagon's goal is eat time and space until I undo what made me this way. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what he's chomping before or after or in between. He just wants to undo the thing that made him this big, uh, this big monster. Right. And that's why he hasn't killed Donatello yet. You know, yeah, uh, he's keeping him alive for some reason because Donatello calls that out later. You know, he's like, "Wait a minute! If he wanted to destroy us, he would have done it. We were exposed. He could have easily have done that, but for some reason, he hasn't. And I think it's because he needs Donatello to fix whatever problem he created. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's that, or maybe it's you know one of those kind of wonky time travel things where it's like, because again, like Armagon is operating outside of time and space. Donnie with his gauntlet and his magic is operating outside of time and space. So I wonder if it's a matter of Armagon eats Donnie outside of time and space, then nothing is changed. He's right. He's got to find, he's got to find the right point in time to get rid of Donnie or to stop Donnie from doing what he's doing. And so it feels, it feels like they both 
know what they've got to do and it's going to be a race to see who can do it. Armagon yeah. is trying to find the place where Donnie made him and just eat it out of time and existence. Donnie is trying to find that same point in time and change what he did so that he doesn't create Armagon in the process. It's a, it's a complete mind bender, isn't it? <laughs> it time, really is. Dude, time travel stuff is always crazy. <laughs> um, I'm really interested to see how Sophie pulls it off. I don't think that Sophie and the team at IDW would would jump into a time travel arc to end the run if they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do with it, right? Right, yes. So I, uh, I think the book is in safe hands. I think this ending is in safe hands and i uh i can't can't wait to see how the rest of this journey goes uh if i've if i've learned anything in 46 issues it's that i uh can trust sophie campbell to tell me a good story a good character driven story so i'm uh i'm excited to see it awesome awesome love you and me both my friend Well, guys, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, It it was a ball to do this. And, hey, we'll be jumping right back on the horn here to cover 147 here in a little bit. It's going to be coming out in, what, about a week or two? Uh, Uh, As of recording, it's the 18th. And I want to say I got a notification on my phone that it was coming up in the next week, I I believe, maybe. Let's see. TMNT 147. When are you out? Oh, gosh. Rob, it's next week. Next week, next week. So <laughs> we, we, might, we may be right back here next week or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, Pro- probably in a couple weeks we will be talking about uh, these books again. Awesome. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. So um, so real quick, Zach, uh, how can our listeners uh, uh, find your, your socials, man? Uh, my socials are the same as they've ever been, guys, um, except no, they're not. I'm lying to you. I, uh, <laughs> I did recently change my Instagram and and I believe my Twitter. I think I changed both because I was I was tired of the Zoso thing, and I I've just I've been interacting with more people on socials outside of Turtle stuff, and so I just didn't want to have this like Turtle centric name. You know, one of those things like, and I'm sure you get this, Rob, from from certain people in your life, where like maybe like your in laws or you know friends at work or whatever were like you wear a turtle t-shirt mm-hmm. and people are just like, Oh, turtles are cool. But then you wear another turtle t-shirt and people are like, do you only have Ninja turtle t-shirts? <laughs> and then you, yep. and and then you just become known. Like you're just a turtles guy. You I'm know what I mean? Yep. I'm the turtles guy at work. Yep. Dude, yep. I'm the turtles guy everywhere. Rob. <laughs> and, and I don't have a problem with that because I love the Ninja Turtles, but I don't want that to be the only thing people think of when they think of me. Um, and so I'm not trying to distance myself from the Turtles in any way. No, no, I understand. I'm just trying to just just trying to make sure that people know that I am a well-rounded human being. <laughs> um, and so you guys can find me on socials. My my handles are now just Zach Norris, Z-A-C-H, but there's an X in between Zach and Norris. Uh, so Zach X Norris, just kind of like an old school social handles thing, but also because I'm straight edge and, and X's are commonly like a, uh, a straight edge like thing. So, so you guys can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Zach, Z-A-C-H X Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S. That is the uh, the new social handles, and I promise you, I still love turtles. <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely, man. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking turtles at like 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> real. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, uh, guys, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's absolute um, blast just to do this. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, and we hope... Oh, I almost forgot. What type of pizza are we going to have to close out another Totally Tubular episode of Booyaka Tales Radio? <laughs> Getting rusty, man. Getting rusty, dude. You know what? I think I don't know if this is safe, Rob. Um, <laughs> but I'd say that since both of us need to get off of here and go to bed... That we should have a pizza with NyQuil, uh, <laughs> n- like some kind of sauce that has NyQuil mixed into it so that we would eat a couple slices and drift off into slumber uh, peacefully. Um, and never I, wake up again. <laughs> s- whoa, dude. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 Oh, very nice, <laughs> Rob. You just t- took things in a much darker direction than Sorry, I that intended. Was, that was dark. Uh, that was sus, sus Rob. Sorry. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was sus Rob taking over real quick. Um, no, dude. I uh, Zach Norris and Rob Luther do not condone the use of uh, pharmaceuticals <laughs> to blah 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 blah. Eat. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, you know, I would put too much Nyquil in there and just not wake up again. <laughs> no, we um, just. Just a good old hearty slice of, of of cheese pizza, dude. It's it's late. Like let's just let's just slam a cheese a slice of cheese pizza into our face and go to bed. That sounds good to me. Classic plain cheese pizza, all to ourselves. To quote yep. Kevin McAllister. All right, well <laughs> that sounds great. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. And on behalf of Zach and myself, we uh, hope you enjoy your friends, hope you enjoy your family, and a mega slice of classic plain cheese pizza. Cowbunga dudes. Cowabunga! Oh, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Got you. It's funny. I actually I turned away from the the podcasting device with the button, and when you said Cowabunga Dudes, I was like, oh! And I had to like reach over my shoulder to it. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I had to do like a, a behind-the-back Cowabunga. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining I'm imagining you like being like, alright guys, gonna take a little dad time, I'll see you guys in a little bit, and like going and sitting out under a tree in the snow with your laptop and like <laughs> zenning out in the snow while you edit the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I I, uh, I was get- <coughs> excuse me, I was getting a little scared crazy today and that was a horrible idea, horrible idea. I said, Honey, you know, we can't we can't get out of the development because we got a little bit of a hill with our development and it's just solid sheet of ice. Okay. I said I said, We're a little low on coffee. You want me to go pick up some coffee and some hot chocolate with for the kids? And the Ingles, uh, the grocery store right down from us, it's only like a mile and a half away. But trudging through a mile and a half of snow, uh, and then getting groceries, I had my backpack and everything, two bags, and I'm trying to trying to like carry them back home and cross traffic and everything. It was awful. <laughs> My, uh, my arms were so it wasn't my legs but because I had to lift the bags up so they weren't yeah, dragging yeah, yeah. the snow yep. my shoulders were dying so oh Rob was, we have officially with with the story you just told me yeah we have officially crossed into old manhood <laughs> that is th- that was the that was the proverbial like well 
Back in my day, we had to walk to school in the snow two miles uphill. (laughs) Like, you literally, you just told me that story, Rob. Yeah, jeez. Golly, I want to time travel. We're like a thousand (laughs) years old between the two of us. Oh, it was great too. I said, um, I have before it snowed. I had my skateboard out and everything, and I mean, I'm all padded up. I am not taking any chances whatsoever because you're so much smarter than me. <laughs> well, you've skated a lot longer than I have. I, I'm, I'm new at this, so but I'm getting better. I am getting better. Cool, man. I can almost ollie. I'm getting there. Hey, man, t- one one step at a time, dude. I, I skate. I started skating in middle school. But, like, would only do it for, like, chunks at a time, right? So, yeah. like, skateboarded from, like, 7th grade to, like, ninth grade. And then, like, a little bit my junior year. And then a little bit, like, after high school for, like, another, like, year and a half. Um, and then don't think I skated for a long time. And then when I moved to San Diego... Uh, got a job at a place that was a skate shop and so skate skateboarded for like a year while i was working there but dude from from then to when ronan and i just got our skateboards i haven't skated in six years so so i'm I'm basically i'm basically brand new to it as well oh i doubt that i think you're being humble about it i bet you still do a kickflip like it's nobody's business oh my god well first off rob i could never do a kickflip i only ever had heel flips uh wow that's still really good but secondly right but secondly rob i'm trying to just get comfortable on the board again dude i can barely like yeah i can barely push the way i want to (laughs) (laughs) but i get it though I, i i was never really good but um I was able to keep my balance and just kind of ride around with all my friends who were really good. I just wanted mm-hmm. to hang out with them, so I bought a board. Uh, I, I actually ended up really enjoying it, and that always kind of sat on the back burner for a long time. And then, you know, like about a year ago, I, I took it back up. Finally, you know, when I started getting my balance and get a little bit more confidence, I've been starting to practice kicking off my left, like goofy foot stance, and, yeah. and doing some other things. I've gone to a couple skate parks, I'm going up these little bunny slopes and these little ramps. I'm like, okay, hey, okay. Nice, dude, <laughs> nice. And now I can actually <clears throat> kick the board up, and I try to keep my feet as, as flat as I can, you know, to land on the board. It's, it's, I'm getting more comfortable, uh, and I yeah. think that's come with some more balance, but... Dude, if with you doing it so much in the past, you're gonna get it. You're gonna pick up on it quick. I hope so, man. I hope so. <laughs> definitely, definitely feeling pretty, uh, pretty rusty. But oh, we'll man. see. I hear you, man. Well, dude, I won't hold you any longer, man. But uh, I hope you have a great night. And I, I'd say tell the family I said hi. They never met me, but still, thank them for they they know who you are. Turtles. <laughs> yeah, and and same to you and yours, man. Tell tell Chris, Beth, and the kids I said hi. And uh, sure I hope will. you guys hope you guys stay warm and have a good weekend. I sure will, man. I've always spoke very highly to uh, of you to them, so they're they're big fans of yours. Uh, well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for lying on my behalf. <laughs> They go cow-wa. Cow-wa. Cow-wa.
Okay. <laughs> <laughs>